Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most urgent topics in the never-dull world of Indiana basketball. This is our 130th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 522nd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, July 18th, 2019. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. Oh, oh, oh. Well, without much to choose from after another slow week, might need to change that never dull line from the intro, this week's banner moment goes back to the world of recruiting. Unfortunately, it's not about a commitment as Indiana's class of 2020 remains barren, but there was an interesting update from a member of the class of 2021 that, if you squint hard enough with crimson colored glasses on, can be read as a positive. The update is about Evansville point guard Christian Lander, rated as a top 30 prospect in his class wherever you look. He's a lightning bolt off the bounce with an improving jump shot, and it is abundantly clear that among all current high school targets for IU, he is the top priority. Well, earlier this week, Corey Evans of Rivals updated Lander's recruitment, which basically sums up what I've heard and read from numerous other sources, including Peegs and Inside the Hall and others. Evans writes, quote, do not expect for a college commitment to be made anytime soon, though Indiana may be the team to beat early. This is further evidence that Indiana is in about as good of a position as they could be with Lander. All good. But here's the quote that really stood out to me from Lander himself. Quote, The program is pretty good, and I like Archie as a coach. I would like to see how he is going to do with this next coming team this season, since last year's team wasn't really his entire recruiting class, so I just want to see how he will do. Unquote. Let me underscore that last point. I just want to see how he will do. As well he should. While I would love for Lander to commit to Indiana tomorrow, the objective side of me that now views recruiting decisions from the perspective of a parent would not think it to be the smartest decision. Archie Miller has done some good things in two seasons at IU, but bottom line, his Hoosiers have a losing conference record and have yet to make it to the NCAA tournament. And the roster he's built for year three isn't exactly a slam dunk to reverse either of those trends. So if you're a superstar recruit like Lander, who will pretty much have his pick of any school in America... Why wouldn't you take a wait-and-see approach with Archie in Indiana, no matter how great your relationship may be right now? And sure, you can view that as a negative from an IU perspective, but I actually look at it as a positive for Archie in the program. This is the next most important recruit for Archie to land. Christian Lander has the potential to do for Archie what Yogi Ferrell did for Tom Crean. And the player, Lander, is essentially saying, I really like you in the school, now just show me that you can get it done on the court. There's no guarantee, of course, but it sure feels like a successful season on the court will not only bring back some much-needed goodwill with the fan base, but might also further improve Indiana's lead, such that it is with Lander. And with so many things out of your control in sports, it's nice to have some things that feel a little bit in your control. We'll see. I think we can all agree that Indiana's ability to succeed with the pivotal class of 2021, which has an abundance of high-major in-state prospects, will largely depend on how the team performs on the court this season. Now for the hard part going out and actually getting the wins that prove to top-level recruits that IU is still the place they want to go moving forward. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show to my left. He is a senior writer for the big lead and overindulgent tweeter of a fourth-place baseball team that is 16 and a half games back in the standings, and a man who, as we prepare to enter our ninth season of doing the assembly call, is still proud to tell you that he's never once hosted the show. Eight years, (laughs) never hosted. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant on the past week in IU basketball? 
I'm just a better navigator than I am a driver, Jared. Let's be honest. Uh, I bet you are so by the way, in a car on a road trip. <laughs> <laughs> we should figure it out sometime. Swing by San Diego. We'll drive to Bloomington, see what happens. Uh, first of all, Jared, uh, I just want you to know that Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. are doing great in San Diego. I'm sorry about the Chicago White Sox. Really am. Uh, but thank you for both of them. Uh, anyway. Uh, I, I really echo what you said about Christian Lander. I think that is the story of the week. It's that Indiana is basically in position, uh, and if it takes care of business, it'll land it. And, and now the key is to take care of business. And and Archie Miller's got to start taking care of business on the court this year. And I know last year was a crazy season. We all saw it. If you look at it from far away, it looks awful. You look at it in the moment, and you can see all the reasons things went bad. Um and there were a lot of them, and and it's not an excuse, but there was a lot of really difficult things to deal with. And I think when Archie finally put his foot down and and said, "No, you can't just screw around. This is the way I want to do things," it things turned around and and started to get better. And and I think that's the lesson he learned for this year is that there's no letting up and there's no going easy on people. And um, I, I so I think that for Archie, he just needs to be Archie and he needs to do what he knows is right, not change what he's doing. Obviously, rely on your assistant coaches, rely on uh, Cliff Marshall, rely on the people around you, but do things the way you are have been raised to do them and, and, and really you know, sort of kick things into gear this year. And, and if you do that, the recruits will follow. And, and, and so I think... Uh, there's a positive there uh, with the lander recruitment. Basically, if Indiana takes care of business, uh, it, it, you know, unless anything crazy happens, he's landing in in uh, Bloomington. We should also mention that he did just get an offer from Michigan today. And I know a lot of people said that was a school he followed growing up. So who knows if that will change things. But overall, things looking positive there. All right. And to my right, he is a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana, the founder of the Delphi Bracketology Club. And he is the first member of the Assembly Call hosting crew to receive his own custom-made theme music, courtesy of our longtime listener and Assembly Call musician, Bob Thompson, who produced a lot of the uh, intro and outro tracks that you hear on the show. So here it is, the debut of the official Tonsoni Time theme. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach, and it's Tonsoni time. Coach, it's Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? <laughs> that is awesome. That is really good. Um, thank you for that. Hey, there's a lot, a lot on on my mind when there's a downtime. Just waiting for things to to pop, so we can have some discussions from the schedule to recruits to the new assistant coach. You know, and trying to figure out uh, what's going to happen in the in the year to come, but very interesting. Uh, I think we're going to see a couple of these guys here in August start, start coming towards uh, Indiana's way, and then it's just it's just I'm chomping at the bit to see what this team's going going to be like, and I, I think you know you see the the rankings from Bart Torvik and all of that about Indiana being tenth. I think there's a range of of places, and so I'm just interested in, in getting going and getting the football season going, getting that uh, to the five and seven record and then moving into the basketball season and, and, and seeing what we have. Because I do think it's a very vital, uh, vital year. And the other thing that uh, there, it's just crazy uh, fan base is how 
when Tom Crean was coaching, there was no defense and we weren't recruiting the state. And, and now Archie's playing defense a little bit better or quite a bit better and moving in that direction and recruiting the state. And now it's, hey, we have a bad offense, need an offensive guru to come in with the assistant coach, and we need to recruit outside of Indiana. So I, I'm just ready for things to smooth out a little bit. And, um, you know, maybe a certain coach returning to the area code uh, can help that as well. So a lot's on my mind and uh, looking forward to the rest of the show. I want to hear that song again. <laughs> we'll play it again in the break. It is a great, great song. Uh, all right, so here's what we're going to talk about this week. We'll run through quickly a few Hoosier headlines because there weren't many of them this week, but a couple of Indiana's top recruiting targets did get some new scholarship offers, so we'll at least mention that. Then we are going to select our Indiana All-Decade team. I know all three of us have had a lot of fun thinking about this today. It surely will feature a lively debate or two. And then after that, we will answer as many of your questions as we can get to. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we hop into Hoosier Headlines real quick, I want to let you know that our friends over at Home Field uh, and Hoosier Proud, obviously longtime sponsors of the show, supporters of the show, we really love these guys, they are having a summer sale. Connor just texted me about it earlier today. It's 25% off your entire order at homefieldapparel.com. Now, here's the thing. The sale ends Friday, July 19th. We're recording this Thursday night, the 18th. It ends Friday night, July 19th, so it's just a one-day sale. But go to their website, homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code SUMMERAC, and you're going to get 25% off your entire order, not just one item, but your entire order. So whether it's the Bison logo T-shirt, the Indiana All the Way T-shirt, the Script Indiana T-shirt, they've got some great T-shirts. I own those. I love them. And if you want to think ahead, get your Bison logo uh, sweatshirt before the temperature changes. Get prepared for winter. Stock up. Again, the code is SUMMERAC, but just make sure that you do it by Friday, July 19th, so that you get that 25% off. All right, guys. So, you know, who's your headlines this week? Still no assistant coach, so, you know, not much to talk about there. Uh, Archie Miller did offer a few scholarships to some five-star guys in the class of 2021. I think we all agree. Let's let those guys actually visit campus before we get too excited and really start talking about that. Happy birthday to Calvert Chaney and OG Ananobi. Uh, that's always always big news. But you know, the one thing maybe who are they? Who are they right? <laughs> uh, the one thing to talk about though is Trey Galloway and Anthony Leal, two of Indiana's top targets in the class of 2020, both received offers from Ohio State. It does seem like Indiana is the leader for both, but obviously the more that it drags on, you know, the more you get concerned a little bit. You know, are you guys concerned about either of those guys going elsewhere? Are you still feeling pretty good about them? I still feel pretty good about them, but, yeah, you know, admittedly, I, you see these offers come in, you get a little nervous. Yeah, I, I think that it's going to come down to how does Indiana perform? And, and, and maybe those guys pop before the season starts, but it's also going to have to do with how does this shape up? How do the next few months shape up for Indiana? Does it look like, okay, yeah, they're going to surprise some people and be pretty good this year. Um, it seems like outside the program, people are, you know, discounting this, this team this year. I have thought that I think that if they're healthy, they're going to be pretty good. Obviously we don't know the status of Jerome Hunter moving forward, but I think that this is setting up to be a pretty good team. Um, certainly different than last year. They lost some talent off last year, lost some leadership off of last year's team. And uh, it's it, some people have to step up and there's, you know, pieces of the puzzle that need to fit in and guys need to get better. But I, I just feel like if Indiana takes care of business and it's the same with the Lander recruitment, if Indiana takes care of business and appears to be shaping up well, uh, they should get the guys they want. And, Ohio State is an attractive place. Ohio State takes care of its athletes. Ohio State uh, has always been an attractive destination for 
basketball and football players. And the reason why is the facilities are great. They take care of their athletes and um, they're always competitive. And so could one of them go on a visit to Ohio state and decide that that's where they want to be? Sure. Certainly kids change their mind all the time, but as of things, as things stand right now, I think both guys appear to be really into Indiana and I know Indiana's pretty well uh, sold on them. Coach, any thoughts on those guys? Yeah, I, I find it interesting. You know, Ohio State offers both of them, and and it's they're, they're kind of an Indiana lean. Is that putting a little pressure on those guys to either make a commitment, or is it putting pressure on Indiana to accept a commitment? You know, is the other or is it Chris Holtman me, saying, "By the way, I own the state right now." Right, exactly. <laughs> and um, you know, it sometimes I don't know if that goes on, but the the whole here's an offer and how do you accept it game is always interesting to watch as well. You know, Cross is going to. Uh, announced supposedly in August. And so I always thought if, if he hit, ends up in Indiana and Trey ends up in Indiana, is Indiana going to take Anthony uh, Leo? And that might be an Ohio State saying, hey, we're here. You know, if things don't work out with the school that everyone thinks you're going to, we're here. The other thing I think that it, te- it shows me is everyone was kind of down on Trey and Anthony as not being top 50, top 75, top players early in their rankings. And I know Trey's probably going to move up here some, according to some sites, but it kind of legitimizes them as big 10 players when Ohio state is now coming in after them uh, a little bit, not that, you know, Archie needs that validation, but I think that helps fans a little bit say that these are guys that can play at this next level and they can help Indiana uh, in, in the seasons to come. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, not a lot of other Hoosier headlines. So what do you guys say about let's jump into the fun topic that we have for tonight, the all decade team. Let's do it. it. We'll do it a little bit here and then we'll, and then we'll take a break after that, but we can set it up this segment. So Dustin Dupirak, good friend of the show, writer for the athletic, all the athletic writers have been putting out all decade teams. And so he did one for Indiana, put his all decade team together. And that's really what spurred this. Um, And so you know, he didn't lay a real specific criteria. It was kind of a combination of trying to put together a lineup that made sense, but also achievement. The way that I want to do it, and you guys tell me if you agree with this, but the way that I think will be the most fun way to structure this conversation is let's put together an all-decade team that is going to play a season in college basketball with in a world of other all-decade teams. So it's not just an okay. all-star team. It's not just like who achieved the, the most. Right. It's we want to put together a roster that could actually carry through a full season, taking into account chemistry and depth and all of those things from the decade. Okay. I think and that's the most fun way to do it. Here's the other criteria I want to have in there. It's the best version of all those players, right? Yes, the best. you get the best version of the guy. Some the of best them, version we, that we saw. Right, so in some college of them, or in, in, in college, college, in college. Okay, so because there college. are guys who have a good year and then have an off year or something like that. We're getting the best version of that player. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I yeah, guess yeah. technically you could say like you get Maurice Creek against Kentucky if you want to. Right, but right. yes, you get you get the best version well, of the best guy. year. We'll say like the yeah, best year, best year. Because okay. uh, you know Thomas Bryant struggled a little his sophomore year. We're yes. getting the maximum version of those. guys. The maximum version of of those guys. Gotcha. Now. This team needs a coach. I don't think I mean, we have any argument over who the coach is, right? It has, yeah, yeah it's it has Tom Crean. Okay, because he's one. <laughs> yes, we'll it's go me. Coach. All right, Tonsoni. Tonsoni is coaching our team. <laughs> There'll be defense and offense. And I think something else that we can all agree on is there are three givens in the starting lineup. I think. I mean, I, I put this out in our assembly call community. Pretty much every lineup I saw on Twitter, three givens. Yogi's got to be your point guard. There's just yes. no other option. No question. Yep. 
Victor's going to be either, depending on the lineup you put together, he's going to be one of your wings, pretty right. much no question. Yep. And Cody Zeller is your center. Duh. Now, he can't shoot yeah. from outside, so you could make an argument that you might construct a lineup without him in it, but I don't see it happening. No. I think if you're Come making on, an all-decade team, it has we're to be all Cody. going with those three okay. guys, right? All right. So, I mean, I, Coach, I'm assuming you're going with those three guys? I certainly am. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I, I want to say something, too. I don't want to structure this like guards, forwards. No, center. it's just lineup. You're point, putting together a lineup. Okay. So we can do point guard, two wings, uh, uh, a stretch four or whatever at the power forward position, and then a center. Okay. You can so do three can, centers and a power forward okay. like we're going to play this year if you All want right. to. <laughs> so this is a team that's going to be on the floor. All right, let's yes. do it. Yes, it is a team that's going to be on the floor. So those are our guys. So maybe we will we'll leave it there and we'll come back. So coming back after the break, stick with us. We're going to continue this conversation about the All-Decade team. We gave you three starters. We'll each give you the rest of our two starters. And then where the conversations get really fun, which is filling out the bench, given the criteria that we've chosen. Come back. Hang out with us on the Assembly Talk. This is Verdell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater? The full court dribble and a perfectly placed pass to set it all up. And of course, celebrating with Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Verdell. Welcome back to the assembly call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to participate in our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays or participate in the live chat during our unedited live broadcast, check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assembly call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni. Guys, we are putting together our all-decade team for Indiana. As we just talked about previously, the criteria is simple. We're putting this together for to play a full season in kind of a universe where it's against all other all-decade teams. So it's not just an all-star team. It's not just achievement. You're actually putting together a roster you think can work. Tom Crean is our coach. And I think we all agree that Yogi Ferrell, Victor Oladipo, and Cody Zeller are kind of locked into the starting lineup. Let's and go. You can put guys on for like chemistry reasons, whatever. Totally. You're yeah. putting together your roster that you yeah. want to roll into this fantasy season with. You're, that's, that's what you're doing. So let's talk about our other two starters. And I will preface this by saying what makes this conversation fun is I put this out in our assembly call community with basically that. Hey, you know, Yogi, Victor, and Cody are the givens. Who are your other two? Out of 14 responses, 10 guys were named for the other two starting lineup positions, which just kind of shows you how many different really good, really skilled players have been here. So, Coach, why don't you go first? Who are your other two starters and why? Well, the criteria, I, I might have to make a, a change. I like OG in the starting lineup, but his best year, he was hurt for half a year. So, you know, if we're going on potential – um, I like OG as as a small forward, so I'll stay with that. I guess. Yeah, um, I, I don't we're know that he. Had... We're considering these guys are going to be healthy. Like we're just okay. I think. Um, and yeah, then yeah, yeah. The power forward for me would be Watford. Um, his ability to guard and stretch the floor. So th those would be uh, my other two starters. I had I had the same thing, you know, because if you have well, Zeller out there, well, yeah, but I think it'll get interesting after that. Cause I think if you have Zeller out there who doesn't really shoot, I feel like you've got to get shooting from the other guys. And that's what did it with me for Watford. 
And with OG, I mean, the defense that you're going to get with OG and Victor out there is just unbelievable. So you've got to believe in his three-point shooting a little bit, I think, for that to work. But I had those were my two choices as well. Ryan, did you, you go are, in a different direction? You guys are, you guys are dead wrong. No, uh, so I had, uh, obviously when I wrote this down, I had Yogi starting at point guard. I had Victor as the small four, as the shooting guard. I put Romeo Langford as the small forward. I want a guy who can attack wow. the basket off the wing. I think that Yogi and Victor it can shoot well enough there and then get a guy who's just a pure driving wing with Romeo Langford. We forget because that season was unsuccessful. Look at his numbers. He had one of the best freshman seasons in IU history. Guy was as good as anybody attacking the basket. Yeah, he couldn't shoot. But with the guys around him, I don't think he's going to need to. Because then I'm putting Christian Wofford at the power forward as well. Guy who can knock down shots. His, his last year on campus started driving more, started getting buckets in the paint, started defending. He could defend one through five. And then you have Cody Zeller at center. And I think with what I have on the bench, uh, which is where this conversation goes next. I think you make up for anything that Romeo Langford can't do for you, uh, or maybe the the holes that are there for Christian Wofford. But you look at Christian Wofford's numbers, and yeah, he didn't win a championship, but he's another one of those guys where you look at his numbers and quietly had a phenomenal career at Indiana with what he did. And I remember heading into his senior year, he was the active leader in the Big Ten in points and rebounds, uh, as a, uh, you know, for his among active players. That's a guy who did a lot that got overlooked because of the guys he played with in, you know, Victor Oladipo, Jordan Hulls, Cody Zeller, guys like that. So I think really that's solid starting four. You guys named it. You guys both yeah, named okay, it. But, okay, but here's the problem. Well, let, me, let, me, let me just okay, say one finish, thing about, about, about Wofford before. I think Wofford is as much of a lock as the other three guys. In my opinion, if you look at the numbers, there weren't any lineups I made that didn't have Watford in there. Yeah, I, and yeah. I know that Dustin on his put Thomas Bryant in there. Um, I didn't think that was really a fit next to Cody, uh, so that's what, what I considered in there. If you're looking at like NBA potential, yeah, of course Thomas is there over Christian, but I just think that if you're looking at those positions, Watford is a lock. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like Watford. I, I can't, I can't endorse Romeo in the lineup with Victor and Yogi because we. Look, Romeo did not show any chops to play off the ball. And in that lineup, he's going to have to play off the ball a lot. I think he no, would be better gonna... in a second unit where he can have the ball more because Yogi's going to have the ball in his hands. And Victor, I mean, his biggest strength, he shot better as a, as a junior, but his biggest strength was taking people off the dribble, being it a is. secondary playmaker. So right. I think if Romeo's out there, things are too clogged. And I would rather have a guy like OG that doesn't, doesn't need the ball to succeed and can get you rebounds, can be a cutter, can be a guy, you know, that flashes. And I don't, Romeo didn't show that. So I don't think that lineup fits. Here's where right. I disagree with you. I think that Yogi Farrell is going to be spotting up in the corner more or spotting up on the perimeter, spreading the floor for you. I think Christian Wofford's going to be spreading the floor for you. And I think you have Victor. But and Romeo Langford didn't spread the floor for you this year, the one year we saw him. But we I, also could say that if he was healthy and didn't have that thumb injury, would he shoot well, at I'm an considering acceptable him, rate? Right? I'm considering him how he was as a freshman. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here's, here's what I'll say. I was going to go Romeo uh, for it was OG or Romeo for that small forward decision based on best year or, or potential. You can say, and if you go non-injured, then I, I like OG slightly better, but I can see where Ryan would, would go with, with his numbers and then him being healthy. I think he shoots the three-point shot a lot better. And you're saying that he doesn't space the floor well. What I well, my point is, is that there's enough guys on that floor who will space the floor well. Victor, if, if you run a set where he gets the ball at the top of the key, Victor can shoot it, Farrell can shoot it, and and Christian Wofford can shoot it enough to spread the floor for you. Now, if Victor has the ball, you can still stick Langford on the perimeter, get him the ball, and then he can drive with a cleared out lane. So 
Again, but I know here, here, here's the thing. Perfect, but those are the both, guys. Both of the lineups are great. Okay, let, let's agree yeah. with this. Both of those lineups would be great. I guess my bigger point is, I think what you add with OG defensively, he gives you a sure. totally different I, dynamic. I don't, with that. Yeah. I don't and I, and what I'm saying is with that lineup, I don't think Romeo gives you such a different dynamic offensively that it makes up for what you get with OG. My problem with OG is offensively. I think he clogged things up a lot. I thought he was inconsistent offensively. I mean, obviously, he had the potential to do everything. And right. if you get the OG for two weeks at the end of his freshman year, well, yeah, maybe that's, you know, that's, a, that's the one I'm thinking about. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, his, his sophomore year he came out, wasn't as consistent through his freshman year. He wasn't as consistent. So obviously, if you're looking at just pure potential in the lineup, yeah, OG is probably the guy. Um, certainly, I, 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 considered him uh in that in that yeah. other spot i just like what romeo could do as a dynamic driver especially if you have those other guys spacing the floor and then honestly you don't i mean he played pretty well defensively this year he's not, obviously not og but he played pretty well defensively i don't think you're losing a whole lot there you're losing uh, a lot defensively well i don't think you're losing a whole lot overall when you factor in the offense as well so i i think that uh yeah, he's my guy there. I think that's a. Let's also think, remember just, that, that if you I have those that. six guys, you're in good shape, and it doesn't matter so much who starts, but who right. finishes and what kind of yeah. chess pieces. That's you why. Can that's move, why so. I think the bench becomes a really interesting discussion. Did you guys? The bench okay. is huge. It, let's. It, let's it, can we go to the bench then? I think right. And what I was going to say is, is Jordan Holes the first guy coming off both of your guys' benches? Well, he's the first guy that I listed because you got to have a you got to have a ball handler. He's the yeah. only guy. He's the only guy who really showed the ability to create at any type of consistent level with a decent assist rate. And you've got to have someone that can spell Yogi a little bit. So he was the first guy I penciled in. First guy coming off my bench easily. And again, if you're going through a full season, you know, you got to take character and chemistry and guys have to accept roles. Jordan Holes would accept a role coming off the bench, you know, and I think you have to think about those kinds of things because I'm not sure that all the players that we've had would do that. So, yeah, Holes was the first guy I wrote down. Um, I think we all agree that off my bench easily. I think we all agree that Thomas Bryant is going to be on the team. You don't you don't have Thomas he's Bryant not, on the team. Well, no, he he'll be on the team, but he's not the second guy off the bench for me. Well, okay. I mean, who second guy off the bench could depend on a lot of things. But okay, let's go. Let's talk second guy off the bench then. If you want to, if you want to go in that route, to me, I it's think a, it's going to be Thomas because he can. You know, you could play him with Cody, but he's also going to be your backup center, and you've got some versatility there. So I've got he, a he was the second guy I wrote down. I'm gonna we got tie. Romeo. We got Romeo or OG too, since that was a discussion. One of them is yeah. going to come off the bench. Yeah, so Romeo or say, OG. I would say Romeo would be, and Hulls would be one and one A off the bench, and then we're really talking about that third guy, maybe. I've got a tie at number two coming off the bench, and it's uh, it's OG Ananobi and uh, Max Bielfeld. Max, I did consider him for a little bit. He did not make my roster, but I did consider him. He made the roster. Bit. I just don't know if he's going to play that quickly. The but reason he, he would be on my you, roster. He does everything you need a guy to do. In that one year, he stretched the floor. He could score inside. He set yeah. screens. He took up room on defense. Like he's the garbage man. Where like you know you could yeah. think of a, a Colin Hartman. I mean, obviously not a talent level, a Colin Hartman, but a guy who does everything you possibly need him to do. I, every team needs that guy, and I think he's a guy who would find his way into the lineup and and be the sort of guy that you could rely on to do literally anything on the floor other than ball handle. And and uh, again, he's another guy we overlook a lot. I think uh, for just not not, not, not that, on this show, <laughs> no, not that he was a good transfer and all that, but how much he actually did for that team. So uh, I would put Max Bielfeld and OG as my next guys off the bench in whatever order they were needed. Yeah, Matt Max was Max was a guy on my roster too. Um, 
so I think okay. So let's go down a few guys. Will Sheehy? Did he make your guys' team? Yes, because he he's on my roster. I think because he's a guy who's proven he can accept a bench role. He gives you some much needed fire with with certain lineups and and kind of certain combinations of players. I think you need that. And he's a guy who made some big shots. So I I like having Will Sheehy in there. Now, one that I think might be controversial is I chose Robert Johnson over James Blackman Jr. I did not have James Blackman Jr. on my team, even though he's the best shooter that we've seen in this entire run. And I fully expect to take some criticism for that. And it might be warranted. The reason why I like Robert Johnson is because of the defense. And because, again, now we're getting into guys accepting roles. And I think Robert Johnson maybe prove that he was a little bit more versatile and a little bit more able to accept different roles than James Blackman was. So I did not have Blackman on my roster, but I did have Robert Johnson on there. Do you guys I, okay. agree or disagree with that? So the way I, I picked this was I had five stars and five bench guys. Right. That was, That's what I did as well. Otherwise you're just naming everybody who played in the 2000, or, you know, in the, in the last, the 2010. Um, not necessarily. I mean, I, I filled out 13 scholarship players, but I think you have to think about the guys at the end of the bench. If they're not going to accept those roles, now you've got cancers in the locker room. So well, you have to. So what? So I'm I'm just telling you who I picked. I okay. mean, so it's I didn't have either one of those guys, and I didn't have she uh, on my roster. And it's not because, it's because I don't you've think, always hated she. I, you're right. I always hated she. <laughs> uh, so Jordan Hulls, OG Ananobi, Max Bielfeld, Thomas Bryant. And who was my other one? I'm looking at the list right now to try and remember. Yeah, I've got uh, that whole oh, list on there. Nick Zaisloft. Yeah, Zaisloft. I had a hard time leaving him off because you got to have a guy who can come off the bench and knock down shots. And and that's holes, Robert. That's well, Robert, Robert Johnson, Johnson can be that guy. His shooting was so frustrating, Jared. Yeah, but when Robert, like, but when Robert Johnson was a fourth or fifth option, he was a really good shooter. He struggled as the first and second option. And the lineups he would be playing with, because I'm, I'm thinking you're taking Robert Johnson his sophomore year role when he was incredible. And I think he would fit really well on this team. I just think that when you get to the lower angle of the bench, you need guys who can do one thing really well. You know, and and Zyslav, his defense got better his final year. He, he wasn't he was a, he was a swinging gate his first couple of years. Defense got much better his final year. Um, but I will say that when you get down on that bench, you're bringing guys in for a reason. And, and and you would have him in there to be the shooter. If you're comparing Robert Johnson, James Blackman Jr., or Nick Zeisloft, I'm taking Zeisloft. I want the guy who plays defense. Well, I, I get that, but... I, what about the, a Vinny Johnson-type microwave guy off your bench? You got you got Aladipo, OG, uh, I had Sheehy, uh, Zeller. You got some defensive guys. You need some... You need, when you need, you need a guy to come in and bang three or four threes like that. Then get him out if he's how many times did that happen against IU last year? But yeah, is I, Black but is Blackman going to accept that role through a full no, season? Which is that, why I don't put him on. That's why I didn't have he him. Is, he yeah. is if I'm the coach. <laughs> <laughs> well then what were you doing? <laughs> uh, no, I, look, I get your dilemma with 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 Johnson and JBJ, and I just said no. Neither of them. I, I like. I like. I love Rojo. I think he's a great kid. Uh, but if I'm putting together the best bench here, I want to know that when I put that guy in, he can knock down a shot. And he I mean, was a great on ball defender. But we have great on ball defenders on this on this roster. So yeah, but you need I, some guys on your bench too who can do that. I'm just saying, you know, Zaislav had a little bit of streakiness too. He is the better shooter than Robert Johnson. But if I'm taking did. the best version of Robert Johnson, where he can be a fourth or fifth option, he is really comfortable in that role. So that that's all I'm saying. What about um, Morgan? 
Okay, well, he was the next guy I was going to talk about because he was doing more than 10. Morgan's on there for sure for me. But I just had Zeller and I had for me, it was Zeller Watford and uh, Thomas Bryant. I didn't want to overdo it with post players and Bielfeld. So I didn't want to overdo it over Morgan over just for the fact that he was coming off the bench. He could do everything for you and he could shoot and and Morgan. Morgan struggled shooting. I love Juwan, Juwan Morgan. And if in a world where Cody Zeller didn't pick IU, maybe he's my starting center. You know, I mean, like there's oh, a, he, w- he would love that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, let, let the or, poor guy play power forward, please. Um, but so yeah, he, Morgan was not put off again. This is, this is the whole thing where we're not ranking the best players. We're trying to put together a roster that has guys yes. that fill certain roles. And therefore he kind of is on the outs. Um, but it's not because he's not a great player. It's because of the way this exercise plays out. See, I would still take I would still take Juwan over Max. I get the shooting. Max was better as a shooter. And and I would have Max. Like when I went all the way down to fill 13 scholarships, Derek Elson and Max Bielfeld were the two guys that I had on there. Because I think they're they're both they give you big man depth. They can both step out and hit a shot. They're great locker room guys. But I would still take Juwan because of the versatility that he provides. Sure. You can play him at center and you know in small lineups when Zeller goes out if you want to. But he gives you some more versatility. It's you know it's 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 a difficult one. I can see where you would say Bill felt, but to me, yeah, I would. No, rather, I, I think I think Juwan does more things. This is all subjective, I and I did it in about a half an hour. So Everything. I mean, you know, I mean, it's you could go either way. It depends on how you're feeling. Uh, but I love the I love that Bill felt could do everything on the floor, and I think that that's where he kind of edges out Juwan a little bit. Yeah, and, and for me, the all-dynasty team, Romeo was the only guy who had played one year that, that we put on there because of his solid year. Um, BFL did a lot of things. He was a grad assistant. I, I've put Morgan in for four years, uh, being an athlete, being a hustle guy, doing those things. That's why Morgan uh, over BFL at that spot. Uh, and, you know, no one's talking about Noah Vonley. And I think the reason he's, he's hard to lead off. Late, uh, had great rebounding could could shoot a little bit do some things but i i did i didn't have him anywhere on there because i didn't, I think didn't either. fit with the roster so that that power forward spot was very interesting to try to pick um but i think morgan's versatility did it for me as, as the backup and that's i mean if you know you're getting a locked in noah vonley you could make an argument for him to be your starting foreman i mean you really right. could because he provides yeah. some rebounding and in fact and in, in fact in, i, I want to I want to I want to recognize uh, Jonathan Goodman, one of our listeners, because he actually made this very argument for Noah as a starter with Watford. And he and let me read this. Noah's the interesting one here, but hear me out. Uh, Cody not a great rebounder for his size. Noah was a tremendous rebounder for his size. He always showed he he also showed he could step out and shoot a bit. Not a lot of volume, but a lot more than Cody ever showed. Plus his versatility defensively to guard in the post and the perimeter gives this lineup more flexibility. And he is right. But what we saw from Noah through that first season, it leads you to kind of question, am I going to commit to this guy for a full season in this weird fantasy yeah, and, scenario and that we've created? He was a guy who could not score. But he made good back. points. He couldn't score with his back to the basket. He would, didn't do much offensively. Most of his offense came from passes where he was alone and facing the hoop or rebounds, putbacks, things like that. Now, there's value in that. But if we're going to ride a guy as the center, and, and I don't really think you can put him in as a power forward. I mean, he really played center. He played on the post and occasionally stepped out. The same as Thomas Bryant, which is why I don't think you can put him as a stretch That's forward. why I didn't have him, but I yeah. thought Jonathan made some interesting points. Yeah, I mean, and I get it. You're the inter- Those are interesting points. But if you look at the way he played in college, again, he and Thomas were centers. They were not stretch fours. Yeah. They were not playing and jump shooting on the perimeter as much. They would step out occasionally in the offense, set a screen, 
and and be there to shoot. So I, I own Tom Crean did not have positions and he's our coach. So yeah. That's true. Hey. <laughs> um, so a couple other names that we haven't mentioned, you know, Troy Williams is a guy that had some big moments. I couldn't really find a fit for yeah. him because I think you have guys who can do some of the things he does well, and he doesn't really give you the shooting inconsistency. Um, well, if you we see, talked about Blackman, we talked about Zyslav. Verdell Jones is another guy that I thought about. And if yeah, I had, I had room Verdell on the end of my bench, I want him in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I did you know, have Verdell. guy. Team first guy. And he's a guy who remembers the bad times, and it wouldn't be bad to have that kind of humility on the roster. I want to say about Troy, I I think that if you're going to, if you wind up discounting Romeo Lankford, uh, because some people would and say, like, well, he's only here for a year. I'm not going with that. I'm going with the guys. Troy would be the guy I would put in as the driver alongside the rest of that team. The problem with Troy, of course, is the ups and downs, but he became a better defender, became a better shooter, and he was a guy who did things that you rarely see uh, out of a college player as far as his athleticism, his ability to drive and finish, all of that. So if you're going to discount Romeo Lankford for one year, I think you wind up needing a guy like that who can get to the hoop. You got to kind of slide Troy Williams in there because if you look at guys who are consistent drivers, you need a guy who can drive it. Yeah. If you were looking at guys who were consistent drivers and could get to the hoop, it's Victor Oladipo, it's Romeo Lankford, and it's Troy Williams. Those are the three guys in the last decade who could get to the hoop consistently. And looking at the, at the last three spots, I, I went more with guys that could fill in an emergency, but were team players. Uh, that's why, you know, Will, I took Romeo for that slasher over Williams in the, in the first 10, but I had Verdell Jones, Sheehy, and Elston in there. Guys yeah. who would practice hard, be there, could, could hold their own if they had to get thrown in. Um, a, a lot of the good teams now only, only play eight to nine guys. Um, and you need that 11, 12, 13 to be bought in. And, and I like the toughness uh, uh, and the team camaraderie of those three. Uh, others, I thought maybe um, I had Johnson listed, um, Biofelt, uh, even maybe uh, Tom Pritchard for his uh, – For dunking? <laughs> for dunking in the one game uh, as a very, very last uh, resort if we needed. But th- those are my three – filling out the scholarship, uh, Verdell, uh, Will, and then um, Derek. You and Zach pick- McRoberts walks on because you can always uh, add him. Well, I was going to say, you got to pick <laughs> one walk on who's not Zach McRoberts because he had a scholarship elsewhere. Who do you pick? Um, Finkelmeyer. I, that was the name <laughs> that came up. I don't even remember ever watching him play. <laughs> oh, man. What, now, you know, do we want to talk about Devin Dumas or any of those guys? Andy's, no, I don't Andy's think so. not here. So I don't, yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I don't think I ever want to talk about. I don't that. think we do. Yeah. Um, okay. So is there anybody else that we need to that we need to discuss here? I think we talked about. I, I'm I'm still so Ryan. If you did extend it out to 13, you added a few extra three. Like, would she he be included in that? Uh, Morgan would be the first one on. I think Troy uh, after that, and then you know it'd be a, d- a debate between. Um, you know, do you put James Blackman? Do you put Robert Johnson? Some of those guys. I think they would be on before Sheehy because but, but Sheehy, Sheehy think, provided something personality-wise that was so unique with this group this decade. I get it, but I think you'd have that with Victor. I think you'd have that with uh, a couple of the guys on that roster, like Who, Jordan Hall. Well, uh, you know, just that kind of extra gear. Yogi was that way. Um, now there was an extra level with Shahi, but Shahi's offense was so inconsistent. His focus on defense was so inconsistent. Just play him uh, against Purdue. I mean, I just want him on there just for the yeah. Purdue game. The flex. But I would rather have, <laughs> yeah. you know, off that bench, I would rather have uh, uh, Robert Johnson than than Shahi. 
if you were going that deep. Um, hmm. Played only one year. Robert Finnessy played in the decade. I right? knew you were going to bring him up. <laughs> <laughs> He could be the third guard learning he could be. behind Yogi. You, know, and you did notice, though, we didn't name anybody who's on the team currently. So none of those guys have proven themselves. Have, yeah, they haven't. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, only, but also, I think she, we you're talking, if you're talking about Sheehy, I think I have OG Ananobi on my bench, and I think Sheehy and Ananobi, like, it's just Ananobi's a better version of Sheehy. But you're right. It's the attitude thing. Where, the where, where would hypothetical Jerome Hunter figure in here? Gold gold jersey Jerome Hunter has to be somewhere in here. For who knows? No. Hopefully, hopefully we get to find out. All right. Uh coming up in our third segment. That was fun. We are going to answer your questions, uh, including what Indiana is going to do about depth this season with two scholarships still open, and whether we should be concerned that the assistant coach position is still open. Stick with us here on the assembly call. Talk about that next. and I never listen to the assembly call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on. Welcome back to the assembly call. I'm Stop Jared making Moore. me like Ethan Happ. <laughs> Here with Ryan Phillips, sorry, Ethan, and the coach, Brian Sonsoni. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed postgame analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. All right, guys, time for the mailbag. These questions were submitted in our private IU basketball discussion community, assemblycall.com slash community for details on that. Uh, let's see. First couple questions from JD. Was the past week the deadest week of offseason IU basketball news yet? Lee, is there anything to discuss? Boring week. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> we're, you know, we've, we've done 48 minutes so far. Hopefully, we've given the folks something. But man, these last couple weeks, they have felt about as dead as it as it can get. I, I suppose this probably always happens in the summer. It's just when you get into the moment of it, it, uh, it feels a little bit more acute. But we definitely need some good recruiting news to... Uh, get everybody excited and so that we can do Ryan one of your patented uh scouting reports. We haven't had one of those. We have not had one in a long time. No, I it, really there isn't much going on this week uh which is why we come up with things to do. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that last segment. Thank you Justin Depirac. Yeah, really Dustin <laughs> coming through man. Congratulations on the wedding by the way. We appreciate uh, it. <laughs> but yeah, no, thank you. Uh, okay, so let's go on to some other real questions. Uh, so this from Rick. Uh, it seems that with only 11 scholarship players, injuries are especially concerning. Yeah, especially when one of those scholarship players already has an injury that is concerning in Jerome Hunter. Uh, any word on one or two McRoberts-like walk-ons that might be able to contribute some positive, meaningful minutes? So the two walk-ons that we have on the roster right now are VJ Blackman, a redshirt junior, obviously the brother of James Blackman, and then Nathan Childress, who is a preferred walk-on, I believe, a freshman from Zionsville. Obviously, if you get down to the point where you're playing walk-ons, you know, you're usually in a little bit of trouble. And you can say, what about Zach McRoberts? Zach McRoberts was a scholarship player at Vermont. He's a little bit different than your normal walk-on. Um, so that it's that's not really a comparison. But, you know, you've got VJ Blackman's been in the system for a couple of years. He can come in and knock down shots. You know, you only have four guards on the roster. So, I mean, there's a chance he could get some playing time, you know, if there's injuries or, or other stuff. We hope that doesn't happen. But... To that larger question, Ryan, how concerned are you about depth right now 
given what's on the roster and what we know about some of the injury situations? Uh, after last year, we could have a full roster and like six walk-ons. I'd still be worried about depth. It's fair. In, injuries can hit at any point, and it and it's really uh, scary. It is scary to not have that depth, especially with not knowing what's going to happen to Jerome Hunter being down one scholarship and then having two walk-ons. There are rumors there's going to be another walk-on coming on. But again, walk-ons aren't people you count on. Walk-ons are practice bodies who often come in late in games. Occasionally, they develop into a really good player, but that's very rare. So yeah, it's a it's a tough situation. I am worried about depth with this team. Uh, guys got to stay healthy. Um, it's great that you bring in a guy like Joey Bronk, who seems to be pretty durable and can play a lot. But then you've got Deron Davis, not super durable. You've got Jerome, Jerome, Jerome Hunter, where you don't know what much is going on. Race Thompson just missed most of his first season. I mean, there are a lot of concerns there, and hopefully, you know, they we the 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 pendulum bounces back this year and everybody's healthy because last year was a real tough one. Yeah. And that was with a team that was, you know, we talked a lot about depth going into the season and, you know, needed every ounce of it to barely survive. If that coach, your thoughts about the depth. I think the injury thing is obvious. Um, Just having 11 scholarship players from a a tactical standpoint is not bad. Uh, I, I think I'm a big proponent of playing less guys, uh, unless all 11 are, are about the same and you can run them in, I, I think guys need to get into a rhythm and you want your best players playing more minutes um, and get them in shape, you know, um, for the long season. So the injury thing does concern me a lot. Ryan spoke uh, well on that. From a tactical thing, I think there are enough players if they in, increase what they can do and, and Archie gets them in a, in a good rhythm, I think that's obviously enough to, to compete at a high level. Ryan, are you concerned at all? Have you you've done a show since the since the Ed Schilling news? I just wasn't on it, so you've had a chance yeah. to talk about the assistant coach thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are you concerned at all that we still don't have one? No, uh, I don't think it's a pressing need at this moment. As long as it gets done before the players are fully back on campus and and you know locked in to get into teamwork uh, before the season starts, I don't think that's a problem. I think it'll it'll be resolved in the next couple of weeks. Um, I, we've heard rumors that there's someone they're targeting we can't really talk about yet, but I've heard the same rumors you have. Uh, we've talked about it offline, and, and it seems like there's a target. It's just a matter of executing it. Um, if that it doesn't work out, there's going to be you know, someone else that comes along. A lot of people want to be an assistant at IU. I don't think that's going to be a really big problem. It's just a matter of finding a chemistry fit on the staff. And um, yeah, so we can't really talk about that. Uh, as far as the specifics, but it seems like there's a there's momentum towards a higher, uh, and it'll come down whenever it needs to come down. Uh, I, I don't think it's a real problem. Right Ryan's now. talking about himself. Yes, no, I've uh, <laughs> I've received a formal offer uh, finally after years of trying. So, coach, are you concerned? Because I mean, we've talked about it, and obviously, we have Bill Comar who can be out on the road recruiting, has some experience. But I will say, just to be fair, you know, we talked some about. You know, under Crean, things seeming a little bit manic and a you know a decision made out of nowhere here. Maybe things seeming a little bit capricious. You know, you fire an assistant, you know, or assistant coach leaves, whatever you know the actual story was in the off season at this weird time, and you don't have a guy immediately ready. Again, I'm, I've I've kind of spoken about my you know fence sitting on this. I can kind of see it both ways, but I do think it's a tad concerning that nothing's happened, and you know that it was just done without having the the plan in place, but maybe it's not that big of a deal. 
It, you know, we're never going to find out what the reasons were behind it, but it, it smacks to me that there was a purpose behind making a change at the odd time. And I don't think you want to, and so that's maybe why there wasn't someone immediately lined up because yeah. maybe it wasn't planned, but then something was thought through at that moment and okay, we got to make a change. And now the the time is okay with me because let's get someone in that's really going to help the program, not just promote someone to promote someone or grab someone from a local school to fill a roster for two weeks of July recruiting. Uh, let's do it right. And I think Archie is probably wanting to do that because it is important. Uh, but yeah, I, I, the, the only concern of mine is what happened uh, and, 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 and what, and we'll never know uh, for the odd timing. And that does concern me a little bit because it just means the program's a little bit shaky um, for something like that to happen, but fix yeah. it with a good hire. Yeah, no, I I tend to agree with what you said. I was kind of being devil's advocate and just want to make sure that we're fair, I guess, in how we discuss the coaches. Uh, we've got about thirty five seconds left, Ryan. So we'll hit this last question. This is from Michael. He wants you to rank the recruits that we are offering based on how you see Archie building the future. Oh god. So maybe uh, uh, well, okay, just of the names that you know, like who are the top guys on your list right now? Because I'll tell you one name that I think is really intriguing is this Matt Cross. Mm-hmm. that you know we've heard that Archie just absolutely loves the way the kid plays really good shooter uh, he apparently is taking a couple more visits um one of those visits is to Texas A&M if he happens to go there over the Hoosiers my wife and I are going to have issues because she's going to be talking trash and that's just not going to be cool uh but a, a few seconds left I mean who are the top guys on your board that you really want to see Indiana get besides Lander Cross is a great fit. Lander's a great fit. Um, I think Leal slash Galloway, if you get one of those guys, it's a good fit. Um, but those are the guys I like. I mean, of course, if you get any of the five stars that are out there, that's great. But the you know, Cross is a guy that I think they really would love to nail. That's it. We're done. No more questions. All righty, folks. That is going to do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, you can join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again next Thursday night. Until then. Take it from me, Freddie Maxwain Jr. Keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and man, go up and dunk the ball. Go Hoosers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. What about Freddie? Forgot about him for the... Talk about a guy who knew his role. You need someone to go in and some fouls and some rebounds for you. Freddie should go on. Freddie, where's what's Freddie doing now? What's he up to now? He was, I think he played in the Canadian League. He was like on the championship team, and I think it was in Canada. Nice. I know he, he won a, his team won. I know that. I just I don't remember what league it was. Gotcha. You know, here's another thing on the assistant coach thing too. If you're if you're grabbing someone from another program, do you grab them in the middle of recruiting, or do you let them finish? You know what they have signed on at their previous school, and then pick them up at the end of July. I don't know what the right etiquette is for that situation, yeah. but it seems maybe, to maybe me like if you're if you're getting someone from another school and he's promised that coach that he's going to go to you know the Peach Jam and all these things, you're do you let him? You know, does that guy want to finish? I mean, maybe that's some of the delay too. And now that we're heading, yeah, up, you have commitments and things like yeah. that. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, maybe I, he's waiting for the Arizona situation to get to shake out. I think, so he's saving a spot for Sean. I think you do what's best for your program, and you don't concern yourself with other programs. You don't want to burn bridges, and you don't want to upset, you know, 
high school coaches and all that stuff. That's the biggest concern. But I, the number that's the biggest concern outside of IU. I think the number one thing is if it's the right move for your program, you make it when you make it. And and uh, it's true. There are some considerations for that stuff, though. You're right, Coach. And and maybe he's. It could also be that they're just so focused on what they need to do that they're not looking outside right now. But I I know right. there have been. There's been outreach. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I haven't talked to anybody close to the program that thinks it's a big deal. That's like, man, yeah. this is things are a it, little it shaky. Be, it's, it's all perception from the outside. You know, if if I'm working for a, a university and I've been working for this coach for four years, and now someone wants me to come to Indiana, I might say, hey, I can, but we're not announcing it till after I'm done recruiting in July. You yeah. know, it, it could be that. It, do you still want me? You know. Well, and to be fair, you can move an assistant into. Uh, uh, you can move Derek Elston into a recruiting right. role until you get Bill. Another- Bill Comar is doing that, and it's he Bill has Comar experience. A- yeah, he's been an assistant before out on the road recruiting. So right, so, so they, they they were set up to deal with the NCAA. This. As long as you pass the NCAA's test, you know, recruiting test, rules test, or whatever, you can go out and do that. Anyone on the staff. I remember USC for a while had uh, had fired a bunch of coaches, and it was coming up on the. Um, the mid-year enrollee deadline, and they had their athletic director out on doing visits because he had passed the NCAA test. So um, they were missing coaches. Let the USC athletic director be useful for something. Yeah, (laughs) because that athletic department, guys, if you ever are worried about the Indiana athletic department, (laughs) just watch watch Ryan's Twitter stream during football Let me tell you uh, what's going on. But Hey, but they hired a USC guy, right? So, I mean, wasn't that supposed to fix everything? <laughs> Back-to-back USC guys who have been horrible. Horrible. Actually, third. Third third straight because Mike Garrett won a Heisman Trophy there. Then they had Pat Hayden, who was horrific. And now Lynn Swan, who is worse. Or no, he's not worse. That's That's, no, he's not worse. Nobody was worse than Pat Hayden. But he's really bad. Mm. It's like comparing diseases. Oh, jeez. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.